Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, 2018, lights, camera, action. Ant-Man and the Wasp teaming up. Follow my lead. P.T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian Bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. The press wanted me to be the pile of crap. I never did this. Don't worry. Nobody's going to get killed, I promise you. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. Look at me. All you got to do is trust me. That's all you got to do. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. And as the gigantic cities on wheels in the film Mortal Engines trundle into the distance, following in the footsteps of the dilated dinosaurs of Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom and the lumbering robots of Pacific Rim, we look back on a year that finally decided how big was too big. What is that? That is London. It is a question that's been asked many times over the years when superheroes stopped tossing cars at each other and started hurling cities, when monsters became so big their heads became obscured by clouds. But until 2018, the aim was always to go even bigger, to make a skyscraper that was three times as big as any previous one. What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. You're going to be just fine, I promise you that. No, 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 no! Tell me, how much do you love your family? Well, no-one worked harder to go larger this year than Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Not only did he leap several hundred feet into a burning skyscraper, but he wrestled three modified monsters in Rampage. But his best film was the more modest and therefore more enjoyable Jumanji remake, where he plays a wimp in the body of a... Well, a rock. I don't have my Claritin, and all I see around here is pollen. Well, I don't have a top two feet of my body. Damn, that is a man right there. Don't cry, don't cry. Don't cry, it's going to be okay. But the rock spectaculars had competition. Pacific Rim 2 pitted Transformers against Godzilla's. The Meg pitted the world's biggest shark against Jason Statham. There was the astonishing feat of Ready Player One. Never have so many popular culture figures been squeezed into one film at the same time. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here. Significantly, Ready Player One was directed by an old hand at pop culture, Steven Spielberg. It's entirely due to him that the story never quite gets too big for its britches. And the same can be said for, unarguably, the biggest film of the year, but also the most entertaining, The Avengers Infinity War. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. Ah! 
hope they remember you. 22 superheroes, many of them fresh from their own starring vehicles. More stars than there are in MGM, including villain of the year Josh Brolin and a nihilistic ending that's destroyed half the universe while still leaving audiences hungry for more. I've said it before and I'll say it again. That's why the Marvel Cinematic Universe boss Kevin Feige is worth the big dollars. Ant-Man and the Wasp teaming up. Follow my lead. She seems more intense. This year there were half a dozen Marvel movies, including the foul-mouthed Deadpool and the violent Venom. But the Feige-produced titles were always a cut above, including Ant-Man and the Wasp and the smash hit, particularly in the States, Black Panther. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. If big and occasionally too big was one trend, another was the unexpected rise of the musical. The year opened with a film that didn't let lukewarm reviews stop it. The Greatest Showman, starring Hugh Jackman, lingered in the cinemas for months. Girls, I think I've had an idea. Look out, cause here I come. P.T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. And that was just the start. Mamma Mia 2 continued to cash in on ABBA. Bohemian Rhapsody surprised even die-hard Queen fans with its popularity. But the best, or at least the best-reviewed, was the latest A Star Is Born. This version benefited from the talented duo Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, proving they could both sing, act and write songs very well. Here's what we're going to do. You come sing that song that I love. No, I can't do that. Here, no. come, here we go. <laughs> Look at me. All you got to do is trust me. That's all you got to do. Meanwhile, the franchises kept rumbling on, some more successfully than others. The year saw not one but two Star Wars adventures, greeted with the usual contradictory reactions from the fans. Something... Inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. People came out once again in huge numbers to both The Last Jedi, continuing the rather weary original timeline, and to Solo, the adventures of the young Han Solo. And once again, they bitched about the experience. There's nothing wrong with either film other than they weren't the original and the audience members generally weren't 13 anymore. I'm a driver and I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? Making nostalgia work for it rather more effectively was the latest Mission Impossible. Fallout seemed to roll the entire series' greatest hits into one movie. To star producer Tom Cruise's credit, he threw in a dazzling support cast for a change, led by Rebecca Ferguson, Michelle Monaghan, Vanessa Kirby and Angela Bassett. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. 
Not sure if you're noticing a trend here, but while the shortage of women directors remained a well-documented scandal, the number of women stars in big movies went up significantly in 2018. Women led films as diverse as The Last Jedi and Widows to Ocean's 8, Red Sparrow and Crazy Rich Asians. Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. Now you really should have told me that you're like the Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. <laughs> crazy rich Asians made headlines by being the first ethnic Asian-American film for decades, but it was also significantly taken from a female perspective. And aiming predominantly at women audiences didn't hurt the box office of Girls' Night Out staples like Fifty Shades Freed, Pitch Perfect 3 and New Zealand hit comedy The Breaker Upperers. It's simple, really. What we do is we take unhappy couples such as yourself and consciously, forcibly and irreversibly uncouple you. Whoa. What the hell, David? After the job is done, you don't know us, we don't know you. Thank you so much. You're a free man, David. Yes, diversity was the new lowest common denominator. And suddenly Hollywood started aiming to crack those deceptively difficult nuts, China and older people. Both demographics are keen moviegoers and know what they like. But for producers, their tastes remained elusive. What you people discovered is bigger than we ever thought possible. How big is that thing? It was the largest shark that ever existed. The Meg set its action off the coast of Shanghai. Crazy Rich Asians featured, well, you know, and many blockbusters made sure there was at least one Chinese face up on screen. But it turned out that the Chinese market often preferred their own films. Meanwhile, old people movies can best be summed up as either creaky old love stories or creaky old bank heists. I have made more money out of gold than all the great train robbers put together. You still thinking about? It's a lovely vault, that. Hard to know what's more condescending, watching feisty old codgers like Michael Caine and Jim Broadbent robbing a bank in King of Thieves, or feisty old broads like Jane Fonda and Candice Bergen bonding over Fifty Shades of Grey in the book club. One film tried both approaches. So, uh, what did you say you do? Well, that's a secret. And why is that? Well, because if I told you, you probably wouldn't want to see me again. Who said I was going to see you again? Would you? In fact, speaking for older audiences, what we really like to see is great actors at work or at play. The appeal of The Old Man and the Gun was as much watching Robert Redford and Sissy Spacek's beautiful performances as it was seeing yet another bank robbery. And two documentaries also featured senior thespians looking back. It used to be that it was my secret, my life, my profession. And what side of Ian McKellen am I going to present? Anything you could want from a human being, I found it working in the theatre particularly. I was able to just be, exist. McKellen playing the part was an entertaining turn from Syrian, while Tea with the Dames was an even more insightful account of talent and survival in a tough world. It featured four of the toughest and most talented survivors, Dames Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Eileen Atkins and Joan Plowright. We all just thought we were going to be stage actresses. Oh, talk about Bond. When I was asked to do it, I was kind of taken aback. And Michael said, I long to live with a Bond woman. 
You'll notice the best performers from the baby boomer generation and older don't need much help from the diversity encouragers. They're more than capable of grabbing attention all by themselves. Frances McDormand gave the most endearingly fearless performance as the crusty lead of three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Take me down and arrest me. I've got nothing to arrest you for. Not yet, you ain't. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Watching Frances pick up her Oscar wearing the bare minimum of makeup in Hollywood was as thrilling to many as watching her kick people in the crutch in Ebbing, Missouri. I was sorry she wasn't joined by Willem Dafoe for his wonderfully generous work in the small but perfectly formed The Florida Project. New job? Yeah. If you're working, who's looking after money? You're not my father! I don't want to be your father. You can't treat me like this! Closer to home, my pick for best performances in Best Australasian Film of the Year is shared between three actors of a certain vintage, Sam Neill, Brian Brown and Aboriginal actor Hamilton Morris in Warwick Thornton's Aussie Western, Sweet Country. Sam's way smarter than we are. All these days, we never come within two miles of him. He's probably sitting out there now, looking at you, laughing. Sweet Country was a film dealing with another of this year's hot topics, though race never really goes away, particularly in the United States. It certainly gave veteran filmmaker Spike Lee his biggest hit in decades, with the year's least likely true story, Black Klansman. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Black Klansman, like Three Billboards and Black Panther this year, may have been about race, but it succeeded by keeping the judgmental finger-wagging to a minimum and stressing the entertaining. Mind you, how could the story of a black policeman infiltrating the racist Ku Klux Klan be anything but a hoot? However, racism and sexism weren't the only issues on trial in 2018. You're talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something. It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets. Truth in the age of fake news may turn out to be even more important than the heavily publicised social media hashtags. And this year saw some spectacular portraits of fake news in action. Don't worry. Nobody's going to get killed, I promise you. I've had nightmares that make more sense than this. Scottish-Italian Armand Iannucci has made a career satirising television news over the years. His film The Death of Stalin shows how manipulating the media worked decades before Vladimir Putin, WikiLeaks and Fox News. But the subject of unreliable news cropped up throughout the year. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. It was present in films as diverse as Wes Anderson's stop-motion film The Isle of Dogs, Steven Spielberg's nostalgic The Post, even The Incredibles 2, whose villain was the media manipulator The Screenslaver. 
The Screen Slayer interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. But the best attack on the media's shortcomings was the film I, Tonya, the unpicking of the tabloid scandals around ice skater Tonya Harding. It should be required viewing for anyone who believes everything they read on Facebook. I'm going to need it even the playing field. I know a guy shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek. The press wanted me to be the pile of crap. I never did this. At a time when real life was proving more hilariously depressing or depressingly hilarious than anything gag writers seem capable of creating, the number of successful comedies was a little low this year. But maybe we were looking in the wrong places. Sorry I'm late. I was rounding up all the gluten in the world and launching into space where it can't not hurt us ever again. Kiss me like you miss me, Red. Alleged superhero movies like Deadpool 2 and Ant-Man and the Wasp posted far higher laugh counts than the likes of I Feel Pretty and The Spy Who Dumped Me. And so did two wonderful comedy dramas driven by brilliant performances. I hold a baby all day and then nighttime rolls around and I'm supposed to just switch gears like, hello, I'm all sexy now. You're empty. Yeah. No, you're empty on this side. Charlize Theron was as dark as pitch as the mother on the verge of a nervous breakdown in Tully, while Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf got the maximum of laughs out of a mother and daughter on the verge of killing each other in Lady Bird. Does Mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. If you haven't seen them, neither proposition sounds remotely funny, but that's the miracle of great acting and of directors who allow and encourage great acting. How else to explain the success of this year's Oscar winner, The Shape of Water, sold by Sally Hawkins and Doug Jones in a rubber suit as the year's most touching romantic couple? He sees me as I am. Old-fashioned genre pictures like The Shape of Water were back in 2018, albeit with a twist, the twist being taking themselves deadly seriously, like the creepy Hereditary starring Tony Collette, the stark raving Mad Mandy starring, who else, Nicolas Cage, and the often terrifying A Quiet Place starring Emily Blunt. And whatever you think of old-school horror films, you can't deny these ones achieved their considerable success by flying in the face of the rest of their rivals' bigger-is-better approach. I recognise you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Oh, my God! What's that? 
Many of the pleasures of 2018 were smaller ones, though I'm not sure that describes the year's two most extraordinary visual achievements. One was Sir Peter Jackson's World War I documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, that essentially colourised an entire generation. And the other was Loving Vincent, a hand-animated story of Van Gogh, which used thick, colourful oils in the style of the painter. How does a man go from calm to suicidal in six weeks? Vincent left this letter. Theo van Gogh. That's Vincent's brother, isn't it? There were two little French comedies that won over their audiences the old-fashioned way. Lost in Paris was a tribute to the silent comedies of Buster Keaton and Jacques Tati, but performed by a female clown, Fiona Gordon. And the other was Farce of the Year, which, despite its rather lame title, C'est la Vie, reinstated the food event movie as a can't-fail night out. New Zealand films were numerous, if a bit patchy, this year. Aside from the breaker operas, there was the low-budget time-travel comedy Mega Time Squad, the award-winning, if slow, drama Stray, and an assortment of documentaries. My favourite Kiwi film this year, for no reason but the charm of the participants, was the self-explanatory She Shears, which featured five women obsessed with the art of sheep hairdressing. I think I've been begging my dad to share sheep since I was eight or nine years old, but I was never allowed. At first, I thought it was a man's job. A few people have said it, and oh, it's a pretty hard job. Why? And I was like, because well, I want to. Yeah, love sheep. <laughs> and at the end of the year, I always like to give credit to those hard-working performers who've delivered more than they strictly needed to. Josh Brolin certainly did sterling work as villain in two superhero movies and anti-hero in one cop film, Soldado. The more well-bred Colin Firth and Emily Blunt have popped up regularly in 2018, Colin with The Mercy and Mamma Mia 2, Emily with A Quiet Place and the upcoming Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins? Who came back? You seem hardly to have aged at all. Really? One never discusses a woman's age, Michael. Would have hoped I taught you better. But this year, I'm giving the award to one of the finest actors never to win an Oscar yet, though that talented Colleen Saoirse Ronan has been a finalist three times. She's 24, incidentally. Isn't she adorable? <laughs> Even the thought of her makes my heart race. No, no, don't be shy. He's a celebrity, but he has a simple soul. Boris Trigorin, he's so famous. He looked young. He is young and accomplished, don't remind me. From her dazzling opening of the year as the Oscar-nominated Lady Bird through a cameo in Loving Vincent to two heartbreaking turns opposite young English actor Billy Howell, The Seagull, and On Chesil Beach. Saoirse Ronan is a well-deserved winner in any category she finds herself in. Bravo! Let me kiss your I see Saoirse will shortly be appearing opposite I, Tonya's Margot Robbie in a film called Mary, Queen of Scots. Not my first choices to play, respectively, Mary or Queen Elizabeth I, but let's reserve judgement. Frankly, if anyone can pull off such an unlikely project, it's those two. 
do not play into their hands. Our hatred is precisely what they hope for. I know your heart has more within it than the men who counsel you. You would do well to watch your words. I will not be scolded by my inferior. Which brings this show, indeed this year, to a close. Over the next month or so, we'll be enjoying that regular Christmas collision between family blockbusters, Mary Poppins, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and awards bait-like films about Dick Cheney, Lauren and Hardy, and of course, Mary Queen of Scots. And may the best biopic win. I'm Simon Morris, and I'll be taking a few weeks off watching movies for a living, instead watching them for fun for a change. But when I get back to work, I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next year. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.